time period I was raised, uh, born in the 1960s, so uh, late 60s into the early 70s. It was, uh, it was fun time to grow up as a kid. And I'm glad I didn't have the cell phones and the tablets and the computers and those things. We had no idea what those words would have even meant to be fruitful. We didn't have any of those luxuries. So we had to create through our imagination things to do. Are you going to farm? Or are we inbound? Man, you made these tunnels and they're all through there. And all Then Sunday afternoons, it was like, get on the bike. You go to your cousins, go to your neighbors, you're playing football, you know, among the dads and say, okay, make sure you're back in the open town, you know, and things. And we'd be gone. And they had no idea where we were at. You know what? They never worried about us. Because we didn't have to worry about them. A kid could get on his bike, traveling, you know, probably eight miles one way, you know, having a great time, traveling up and down the ridges of, of uh, Pennsylvania. And I never worry. There's never worry. You notice how the paranoia now that never was there before? Parents are afraid for their children. They're afraid to send them to school. Back in the day, there was no picture. You went to school and you didn't have to have police. You didn't have to have metal detectors. You didn't have to have any of those things. You just went to school. I, mean, I remember there was just one time with boys, he decided to pick on this little girl. So then a couple other guys walking over to him. He said, what? You're a big guy. We're bigger than you. Quit picking on the little girl. He's innocent. Yes, sir. And you're listening to talk. You took care of innocent people. You look out for one another. You know what I'm saying? You didn't have the bullying back then. It's crazy. And he's talking to me and why is it so bad now? I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Yeah, I mean, but I can remember back in the days where we didn't have these issues. You were afraid of policemen. You're scared to death. They had the authority. They had the guns. You know, they can arrest you. You respected them for their office. You know, they're, they're the power that was given to them. So you address them, sir. You didn't listen to music, let Satan kill cops because they're the bad guys. They're not the bad guys. But they're going to come and help you when the bad guys come to your house. Anyways, you say it was bad, it bad and good, and everybody. Preachers, policemen, politicians, group. Co-workers, people, but sometimes we lump them all together, and that's what the mind says. You have one bad case, so therefore everybody's like that. Weird how we're thinking. Like we need not common sense anymore. So you know, we live in fear. You know, we would never have imagined the day that so many people need to carry because they need to carry. You know why? Because they live in a land that they don't know what's going to happen. And so they carry to protect the innocent. That means their own family. Back in the day, they carry because they're going hunting. So why they carry? You know, because they were going hunting. And now it's everything has changed. I don't like it. I don't like watching people live in fear. 
we used to be able to let the kids go outside and play. We used to be able to now, now all you see is the signs of human trafficking going on. They're trying to abduct children to, to put them into the prostitution industry. It is incredibly big, especially by my research, especially football season. They didn't know that. So the guys go to the games, they go into these hotels, they call them in, and they're getting these underage kids, and that's where the deal is happening. Because to the, the, the impurity of our nation is becoming so bad that we don't even have a reverence for life. We become inhumane. And that's part of one of the words that we're talking about today. We'll address how do we, how do we look at this uh, as a lot of part of the message. But we're going to see, because we have to look at this, because God said in advance, the closer we get to the tribulation time period, we, the church age, are going to see things changing. And this is what God said. And again, God is always great. And because the church needs to be informed on this, we need to talk about it. As a minister, I'm the preach the word, and I need to inform my people. But it also is for me. I'm living in this world just like you are. And we all have to look at this and say, how do we mentally handle this? I remember when 9 1 happened, there were some segments that, that the, uh, the new chapters were saying in addressing especially the elderly. Now, listen, if you're starting to get panic attacks and, and you're starting to go through some anxiety, stop watching your TV. They were literally saying that. I remember them saying that because people were going into deep depression because they're seeing these planes going in over and over, replay, 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 watching the people with dirt and ash all over them running for their lives. Well, tell me that doesn't affect your mind and your heart. Well, watching what these kids are doing on the video games, watching what they're seeing on TV, over and over again, they're seeing these things, and what do they want to do? Simulate it. They want to act out on it. Our games were those ping pong. About TV, they would spend hours. Ping, ping, you know. All the people up and forth, and everything else was like, crap, crap. And seeing authority is not crazy. I wonder if you're going to the schools and bone places to do all this. It's embedded in their brains. So parents, take over your homes. Don't let the kids run your house. Do anything else, does it? Okay, if they're going to jump off the cliff, are you going to follow that? That's what my dad always said. Would you do it? We, we have to think. Somehow or another, authority that the parents have has to take it away and give it to the kids and take it back. You say, but don't, I'll be in trouble. I told my kids I'll go to jail for tax banking. I really don't care. I told them, I said, by the way, you're going to foster care that somebody else will be raising you up. I, I, I told my kids that you are going to get a woman. You say, that's unpolitically correct. It worked. You know why? 
to God's own work. Don't get some of the fun here. We have to talk about it. You say, well, it's, it's just showing hatred toward a child that's incorrect. Then. Really? God says it's just the opposite. A parent that loves their child will correct them. But a full parent will just say, oh, don't grow out of it. No, they're not. They're going to grow into it. They're going to get worse. You say, oh, they're just punching me in the face. Yeah, look at their genes. They're just a little bit hurt. Parents are punching their parents. I mean, kids are punching their parents. It's crazy what I'm saying. Where is all this grief coming from? Where is, what's going on inside of them? And that's what we're dealing with. God's saying, the closer we get to rapture, Words it's going to get. But no problem with If you don't get saved and you go into the tribulation time period, you will get nothing. What we are experiencing, folks, is a scratching of the surface of what those who will be going through the tribulation will experience. Jesus described most of it in the Gospels, uh, certainly the book of Matthew. If you look at the Gospels, Jesus' emphasis was on his second coming back to earth. So a lot of the teachings were about the tribulation time period. The blood moons and the wars and the rumors of wars and all these uh, horrible things that are going to be happening. You know, the trip, the Antichrist going in, and desecrating the temple. That's all tribulation talk. He's not talking to us. We're, we're going to be laughing. We're, we're out of here before all that happens, though. But it is going to be so hard. Because, you know, parents are going to be looking at numbers on the house. Parents got kids are going to turn their parents in, and the parents are going to be put to death. And the kids are like, good. Oh, by the way, the parents are going to do the kids, too. Pinballs against each other. It's all because of hatred. Where's all this hate coming from? Remember last week we talked about the doctrines that are going to be taught by Satan? It's about deception, it's about hate, and it's about sin. What he wants. He wants the masculinist. He is cheering it on. He hates us. And he hates humanity. The more, the closer we get to this aspect, we're going to see this becoming more prevalent and more prevalent and more. And I hate to say it, we might not be even seeing the trap in the service of the church we will be going through. Because we have yet to see the persecution of the area. So, we us talk about that stuff. Well, we got to get real. I remember when I first became a Christian and, and you know, kids were being born and, and I'm watching their innocence and I'm seeing how much I love my kids and I wanted to protect them and I'm reading these scriptures and I'm thinking, what could my kids be? And now that I'm grandparent, I'm thinking, what could my grandkids see someday? And I remembered beginning to fear, and it upsetting me, because I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to see that truth. But here's the thing. I was thinking, I wish it would happen to me and not them, because I could have done it. You know what I'm saying? I don't want, want my kids to hurt. I don't want them to go through hardships. We want to make it as easy for them as we can, you know. That's our mindset. But you know what? The same grace that God has given me, oh, is going to be the same grace that God's going to give your kids or your grandkids someday. God's going to enable them. 
He will strengthen them to stand for the Lord. His Holy Spirit is inside of them to comfort, to help them, to encourage them. They'll do all right. By the way, if they go through it, you've got to remember His promise. And if they go through hardship, we're going to get a greater reward in heaven someday. You'll hear me say this of those who are newer. We who are Christians, we win and we win. We cannot lose. It's impossible for us to lose. Because God is for us. Who can be against us? He said, it can take a life. You don't fear the one that can take a life. You fear him that can take life and the body and soul. That's what we fear. God. He's the most important one. And the most that we've got to keep is in our minds. We're going to keep on these. You know, you've got kids going to the mission field, you know, and, and you know, we're in Barnes Way. We, we know what happened to the Westfield family and, and there's others that are going through this. Guess what? God's grace is going to be there for those kids and his dear wife. And, and they're out of testimony of what God has done through it all. And we're praying more souls are going to get saved on the mission field as a result of that. I mean, this is how we see things as Christians. we got to get back to thinking biblically, not emotionally. We cannot live in fear. We are to go forward in this world as Christians. We're soldiers for Christ. When we start seeing this way, God's going to really going to do some good things. We're going to take a couple minutes to look at the now. We are in 2 Timothy this time. Last week we were in 1 Timothy. Those of you who are visiting, that's where we were at last week. And our message is all along. So we'd like to hear that message. 2 Timothy this week in chapter number 3. And once you have found out, would you please stand out of respect of God's incredible word? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. This know also that in the last days, terrible times shall come, for men to be lovers of their own selves, husbands, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, and common spirits, despisers of those that are good, praises, hate. Fine-minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And notice this phrase. We talked about it a little bit last week when you think about church people going in their religious sense. They say they have a form of godliness. No, there seems to be this outward piety about them. And here's what they deny. They deny the power. That's God's power. Transforming power. Saving power. What the Word of God is all about. They deny that. And he says to us, from such that have that mindset, turn away. Reject that mindset and don't allow them to influence you. Father, bless the time of your word. Use it for your glory and for your honor. Thank you for what you will do. Keep us good things you say. Build our faith and put your word is here for Lord, to build us up. So use it in that way. If you are come that do not know Christ the Savior, Lord, that you will use your word today to draw them to that relationship with you. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. The word of God is full of prophecy. Uh, here this is somewhat of a prophecy. I guess when we look at that, because God is saying close when we get to the rapture, things are going to increasingly get worse. So in, uh, in that light, this is prophetic. But it is not. It is not as though we have a specific prophecy that 
fulfilled for wrestlers to take place. His return is imminent. He could come today. He could have come yesterday if he would have chosen. So there's not something that has to happen. So God is saying, the closer we get to the Lord's return, we are going to definitely see things increasingly get worse, perilous, or troublesome times there's going to happen. So when you look at the Old Testament and you look at the prophecy, the emphasis was concerning the millennial reign. When you look at the Gospels, the emphasis that Jesus was teaching was on his second coming back to the earth, dealing with the tribulation time period and his second coming to the earth. The Gospels, assuming the general people, much of what we're reading right now, emphasis there is on the rapture, the snatching away. First Corinthians 13, Colossians 3, when Christ was our life shall appear, we shall also appear with him in glory. And all of these verses, over and over again, the emphasis is on you and I, the bride of Christ, being snatched away and taken up into glory. And then when you look at the Revelation itself, the emphasis there is on the tribulation time period. So in chapter 6, uh, when the seals begin to open up through chapter 19, you see the unfolding of what will be happening during the seven-year uh, tribulation time period. And so here we are looking at what are we going to be experiencing the closer we get to the rapture. And I will emphasize he can come today. Every preacher hopes that, that Jesus comes in the air for his bride in the middle of a sentence when he's preaching. But take me away right now. I'm good at And we look forward to his coming. Now, fact, he says there's a reward for those who love his appearing. Can't wait for the Lord. Can't wait to see him one day. And that's our focus. The Christians. That's our whole hope. The anger of the soul. It's what keeps us going. We steadfast. We're sure. And he assures us in our hearts about our lives and that he's in control. But this text is not talking about the heart of us Christians. This text is dealing with the heart of the lost world. Some of us are saved a little later on in life. Uh, some of you were saved at the age of five and didn't experience all that others did. And I remember quickly as I read this text, God was defining me before I was saved. Because I'm in prison. I'm dead. My thoughts were not towards people, but I it is now as Christians. It was totally different. So God is trying to describe the parts of the lost world. He says, see, there it is. They can't get saved. God never said that they can't get saved. God is a nobody. So if he can't save a person like this, then I am not saved. God can save anybody and change and transform a life from any thing. Period. There is no sin that Christ cannot forgive. There is nothing that His power in His blood lacks. The blood power can save the vilest of sinners and set us free. And for that, we thank God. That's a lot of people say, well, we're going to change to save. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've got to quit this or quit that bad habit. It, it has nothing to do with your habits. The habits are there because of the sinful nature. And the sinful nature is what needs to be forgiven. Who we are internally needs to be forgiven. 
the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. There's the nature that God is saying, I'm forgiving you of what has is inside of you, and you are forgiven, and then it gives you a, your Holy Spirit to begin to help transform your life and to become more and more like Christ uh, the rest of our life. But here, we have the heart of the world. We see that it's perilous for the dangerous times. One man said, it is times that causes for the world great stress. Trouble, dealing with the hardships. Everywhere we turn is negativity. And God says it's going to continue to get worse and worse. And you'll also remember a couple of weeks ago we highlighted the first phrase of verse number one. This know also. In other words, come to a complete understanding of what the last days are really going to be. We talked about first John two. Verse 18, 19 tells us that we are already in the last days. Believe to ourselves as in the last days of the last days. We're anticipating and waiting for the Lord's return because we're seeing churches drifting into apostasy, putting the Word of God to the side, not preaching truth, not teaching absolute, not even preaching on sin anymore. Instead, we want to feel good about ourselves and not that is not biblical. We need to know the truth. The truth is what sets us free. Lies don't set us free. You go to a doctor and you know you have these bumps all over your belly and he says, ah, don't worry about it. Go home, take some, you know, eat an eat apple, you'll be fine. That is not what you want to hear. You want to hear what's going on here. I want to hear the truth. The truth, then, even if it is negative, begins to give us a change of heart or not. It's a question. What do we do? How do we act? How do we react? Truth is what liberates us. It frees us and helps us. Christ is that truth. So the truth is, the lost world is going to get worse. He says in verse number two, men, men, God, shall be lovers of their own selves. So the word self-centeredness comes into to view. By the way, you know, you can read scriptures, you know, you know, you got any guys that are all self-centered, you know, and it's all about them, power struggles, they want to be in control, they want to genocide the Jews, and you see these, you see the spirits, it's always been there, you know, you go back to Cain and Abel, and you can see a self-centeredness there. But God is saying that there's something increasing in this self-centeredness. The two things that I see in American culture that really drive media, drive everything towards, towards us and how they want us to think is through movies, news, we get into the political side of things, and they have this almost perverse purpose to say we all need to gather together and keep telling the the, the, the the people the same thing. And if you tell them this long enough and they hear from here, 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 guess what the people are going to start doing? They're going to start believing this truth. 
and they're going to literally believe the lie. So, there's certain things that I refuse to listen to. Number one, is any Hollywood star talking politics? Sorry, you said you didn't say that in the pulpit. I just did. It is out there all over the way. You know, on the most part, what the agenda is going to be. And the word is, we need to be progressive. And I love for them to define what you mean by progressive. Well, we don't want to be stationary. We want to be progressive in our thinking. You know, because those who are settled in the old way cannot bring in progressive, which is embarrassing at all. So what's progressive? I'd love to have the definition. Although you terms like, well, we just want people to have freedom to be who they are and whatever they are. Well, what does that mean? Is there any limits to this? Is there any point that you say, that's too far with this progression? There's no defining. And that's why it is, when you, when you have any political leader that is standing up and saying, abortion is murder, oh, break that person off. Put it aside, that's that. They're old. They're not progressive in their thinking. And then we get into the situation, well, wait, wait, what about this? What about this? And, so, and we get praying because they always look at the minority of the whole case to try to alter the whole case for the progression that they want to see. And it's absolutely asinine to see the logic that these people have that literally hate life. They hate babies. They want them dead. Who comes up with this stuff? Satan. And we look at this amazing, you know, some on Facebook I was looking at, a bunch of women putting up signs to say, we need the right to kill and abort babies. And it has to be one of the saddest things for a woman to say, I hate what's inside of me. I want it destroyed. Because they believe the lie of evolution that is just a blob of tissue. And because you haven't seen his fingers, you haven't seen his little toes, and therefore it's not a baby. Okay. So you can go back to work. And you can go on with your life. is the mindset. Self-centeredness. Sports. You don't talk about a group of people that are in absolute love with themselves. Just watch one segment of ESPN. And they'll show these guys, you know, you know, I'm going to be able to dunk too. You know, and it, it cracks me up because they had this really sweet move, you know, let somebody stand in, and they go up and they dunk, and, and they're like, I'm the man. And then they get on sports center, and they interview and say, oh, yeah, I have a business. And they go through and they talk about themselves. But what they need to bring up is the team that they lost. But they lost them back. It's not about team, it's, it's about individuality that I want to be separated from the rest. By the way, that's the same mindset. That's what idolatry is all about. I know what I'm talking about because that's all I went through as a teenager. And it's all self-centeredness. And that's exactly what Satan was. God says on the altar bed, 
that we prefer others better than ourselves. Oh, really? I'm supposed to think of this other person first? That's what God says. But the world says, no, you, you are what's important. It's all about you being happy. It's about you having everything you can get out of life. By the way, Satan also said, I will be like the most high guy. God, I, 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 and in that text, it's all about self. That's a new one in the sun, folks. But we're going to see this in the lost world progressing more and more and more because this is what Satan keeps feeding and indoctrinating people with. Because if you are the most important one, you don't need God. You are God. You get to determine what's right and wrong. You get to write the rules up. You can say anything that's right or wrong. It doesn't matter. Every man just do what's right in your own eyes. Oh, yeah. Let me get into the greed, coveting, the love of money, the desire for wealth, wanting to have, never content. I have more. There's the American dream. Boasting, we address that. Proud, we address that. Blasphemers, that's when they begin to stop at what is right, laughing at that which is holy, that which is beautiful in God's sight, they see it as absolutely ridiculous. The things that we hold that are incredible value of worship and who God is and our love for God, the world will look at you and say, You are ridiculous as people. So, I didn't talk about money. You guys, if you were visiting, I didn't even talk about money. I didn't talk about money for just a second here. So, um, we had probably three kids out of Bible college. Steve uh, wasn't born yet, so we probably had five, and, and Caleb. And uh, so I'm working, I'm making, you know, six months now, whatever it was, came to Bible college, and we had it. And my boss comes up to me, and uh, he pulls me aside. He goes, I'm going to ask you a question. I said, yeah. He goes, you... Do you get money in the church? Yeah. That's so wrong. I said, well, why? He goes, you have kids to feed, you have all these responsibilities, and you're giving your money away to these other people in the church. Why would you ever do that? That is so dumb. And you walk away mad. I'm like, what just happened here? Why am I a bad guy? Because I do this. Remember, you don't cast your pearls before the corn. Something that's which is a, a pearl, to those that are lost, it's meaningless to them. But we know as Christians, it's our, our way of worship. Giving is thanksgiving, it's offering to God, and God, I love you. You provided for me, and I believe my the, the ability to do it, the wisdom I have to do the job, everything comes from you. So therefore, I'm giving back a portion of what you've already given to me. You own it all anyways, God. And so we're just worshiping God, and so like, we love it. We don't give grudgingly or necessity because God loves the spiritual givers. So, yay! We get to give to God. We get to give to missions. We get to feed the preachers. <laughs> you know what I mean? You get to take care of everything you have. We have lunch, we have meat, we have air conditioning in the summertime, and life is good, you know, because we're giving up God's people. And we look at this as like, yeah, of course we do this. We want to do this. And they're like, no, 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 you got to keep it for yourself. Do you agree? 
the thought there is they betray others. Uh, those who take notice, Matthew 24, verse 10, is one cross-reference and other cross-reference you can get into also. But the, the, the thought is literally on purpose. They are going to tell you one thing, get you thinking their way, and then they are going to just talk the legs out from underneath you. They're going to betray you, and they want you to fall. They are after you, and it is, it is all based on hatred. And that's what the text Jesus talks about reveals out of a hatred that they have for others. They are going to literally set you up to betray you so that you fall. We see this the workplace, we see the family here all around. The word heavy, I'm going to park here for, for just uh, a moment. Because this is not a word that we use in this. Uh, that's a, a very intelligent word as far as understanding uh, once you, you get into it. And verse number four, so traitor, and then the word heavy in the King James, um, it, it's almost, let me try to it. We are seeing a day and age where people are looking at the immediate circle around them. All the focus is on what's going to make me happy right now. A person that is heavy is only looking at now, and they will quickly just fall into anything because they think it's going to help them or make them feel good right now. So it's almost like they plunge into it without looking at any consequences. They're not looking ahead. They're not looking at ramifications. They're not thinking, who is this going to hurt? Or how much is this going to cost me? They just live for the immediate and heavy means they fall right into it. Fall right into it. This seems to be a word that we're seeing happen in the world right now. It means that a man will be ready to do anything without deliberation, without concern of any kind of consequences. Christians, we are to be wise. Each of these words have its opposite. We are to be thinking long term. We're to be wise in our actions, what we do, why, why we do the things that we do. And we have to look at the future rather than just the immediate. The affair happens so quick between a man and a woman or a woman and a man because the only thing we think about is how we feel right now, not thinking about the consequences down the road. They don't think about the thousands of hurting. They don't worry about the kids' lives who are about to be ripped to shreds. They don't care because they're heavy. They're just looking at what's going to fulfill me now. This is what I want right now. And then they quickly go into adultery and they really don't care for the consequences. And the list goes on with illustrations that could be given about that word. Let us not be heavy. Let us be wise. It gets into more things about uh, matter of high-minded, love, pleasure, more than God. You know, it's like God. It's, you know, the church wants to be Christmas people as you get into that thing to do. And it's not love for God. Many people love God. Love and soul, heart, and people are love. Love them. So, I wind down with this. So we're looking at all this depression about what's going on in the world and the lost world. How are we supposed to look at it all? We're good. How can I be happy and rejoice about it? 
But to deny God and the Word, the power, and everything that God has established. So God is right. His Word is right. It is absolute truth. We're not a perfect church. And I stand for the Lord someday. Peter got to say, what were you thinking, Paul? I don't know judge. And I know that I'm not a perfect preacher. There is no perfect preacher. You're not a perfect congregation. None of us are perfect. We're a bunch of people who have grace. But we're not going to take the Word of God and say, that's ridiculous, that's silly, and put it to the side either. You know what I'm saying? If this is what God's Word says, this is what we're to be, He's right, the world is wrong. Even though we have pressures to change, God's Word is right, the world is wrong. We're going to stand true to the Word. Other cultural changes, of course. There was a day they didn't have organs and healers in the church. And now we do. There was a day they didn't have pedophilies, and now we do. We like them. There was a day we didn't have air conditioning. My first church did not have air conditioning and almost caused the church split when I say, I want air conditioning. I mean, they were fighting with me tooth and nail because I wanted to put air conditioning in my first church. And I'm like, we never had it before. I waste the money. And the first people, it's not the same place, but I know. So those people that bought me to the nail about getting air conditioning, we're going to have changes. It's called, who cares about that stuff? It's a word. Word. That word is hidden on the heart. But we might not say it is God. It's a word and tuck it away. Know it. And it's going to set you free. So here's what's going to do. It's going to cause you to rejoice. Oh, what do you tell you? So, so the day, I'm going to take the main thing. See, lady, I said to her, laugh. I said, I just want to tell you how happy you made me. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, no, no, you're fulfilling scriptures. What are you talking about? Well, Jesus said, before he comes back, it's going to be the day, like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, which were men with men and women with women. So God said, Sodom is going to increase closer and closer to his return to earth. So therefore, before rapture, guess what's going to increase more and more and more? We're going to see this movement becoming stronger, and the world is going to say, why not? And they're going to go into the sexual activity, and it's going to be more and more and more. And I looked at her, and I said, I just want you to know how happy you have made me. She goes, what do you mean? I said, you're just showing me that the Bible is right again. And that you were part of a movement that God predicted was going to happen, as in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. I explained to her what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. And she just looked at me. She had nothing to say. Because it's like, you're just knowing that, again, God's word is right. The same thing with selfishness. The same thing with greed. That's just one of the things that we're talking about. The same thing with abortion. If you made all these issues that we're dealing with in our culture are real, and they are real issues that we have to look at. How do we look at this? We say, guess what? It makes me really happy because we're one day closer to Jesus coming. Second thing you have to do is remain committed to the cause of Christ. Be steadfast in the Word. The third thing, remember the promises of God. Remember God says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to get you through this. And the last thing is there's going to be a reward for us when we do. Because get rewarded. You haven't said that. Yay! Yay! Lord, we love you. Your word is amazing. And we sit and look at this scripture word and you brought it to fall 
so long ago. And it was over reading about American culture today. God, help us to remember your word is always right. It's dependable. It's true. It never changes. Your word isn't progressing. You are. So Lord, help us to believe you. Help us to be committed to you. Help us to remember your promise. And help us, Lord, to remember the rewards of faithfulness. Use the time for your glory and for your honor. Head by us, O 